Good moment, everybody, and welcome to the Major Malfunction Podcast. I am your humble host, Terry Wilkerson. People just call me Terry. Normally here at Major Malfunction, it's just yours truly, a normal man, taking a look at an abnormal world. But today, we're doing something just a little bit different. I have with me today a very special guest, the lovely and talented Miss Carol Graziano, the host of the Ramblings of Bionic Carol podcast, also available here on Anchor.fm and Spotify. Carol, how would you like to say hello to everybody? Hi, everybody. This is Carol, and I have no idea what I'm doing for the intro. I promise it gets better. You went Dr. Nick on me there for a minute. I did. Yes, you did. did. I think I did that last night, too. Which is good because, you know, we're going to do some surgery this time. On both feminism and masculinity, in both their classical and modern forms, we're going to take a look back. How did it all begin? When did feminism go awry? When did masculinity become a bad word? So overall, we're asking a very simple question. What What the the fuck fuck happened? happened? And this is the Major Malfunction Podcast. Once again, I am your humble host, Terry. Uh, We are here today with Carol Graziano, the host and creator of the Ramblings of Bionic Carol podcast. Um, We did tell you guys last night during a teaser trailer that we were doing a simulcast. Um, Perhaps the adult beverages were speaking, but we kind of misspoke uh, a little bit. It's not necessarily a simulcast. It's more of a two-part episode. Uh, We're going to have the first half of our discussion here on the Major Malfunction Podcast. The second half of the discussion will take place on the Ramblings of Bionic Carol. And our discussion today, our discourse, if you will, is on classical and modern feminism versus classical and modern uh, masculinity. So, we're going to turn this particular part of the discussion over to Miss Carol, the lovely fiancé. Carol, would you like to start off by just giving us a little background here, a little discussion on uh, where feminism came from? Absolutely, Terry. Uh, now, as you know, I'm not the most detail-oriented person here, so I did take some notes for myself to help me out um, with today's podcast. Very excited to be doing this. As you know, I am a big-time supporter of men's rights, the men's rights movement, and I feel that There's not enough um, representation. There you go. Sorry, guys. Uh, I am having my coffee, but apparently it hasn't kicked in yet. Okay. So we're going to start out this podcast with the quote-unquote history of feminism. Um, As many of you may or may not know, there are technically four waves of feminism throughout history. The first wave was in the 18th, 19th, and 20th century. Beginning, uh, we got woman suffrage, the, excuse me, the right to vote granted thanks to Susan B. Anthony and those who fought alongside her. Also, in the first wave of feminism, they fought for the right to divorce. You're welcome, I guess. Um, now, when you take a look at the second wave, which is from 1920 to 1970, um, there were, for uh, lack of a better word, here are some bullet points. Um, 
Second wave, 1920 to 1970, wage inequality, sex sexualization of women, civil rights, equality in the workplace, body positivity, civil rights. I already said that. Wow. But I wrote it down twice and anyhow, and sexual freedom. The third wave from 1980 to 2000, uh, the feminists were more focused on LGBTQ rights. Uh, the environment, body positivity, fat positivity, sex positivity, and the brain and body. And that would bring us to the fourth wave, which was from the early 2000s to the present. And honestly, I feel like this podcast is going to talk about that very fact. And so I didn't take uh, notes on that. Because, in my opinion, the fourth wave of feminism doesn't exist. That's when it turned over into feminazi. Is this, in your opinion, this fourth wave, is this where we get the, uh, the it's my body, I'm a slut, the whole, you know, glorification of I can use my sexuality to my advantage when you have the women walking around with slut painted on themselves and parading up and down the streets, is that where that fits in? Or is that just an entirely different beast that doesn't even belong in the, the, the broader spectrum of the term feminism? Honestly, that is exactly the type of shit that I'm referring to. And additionally, no, I feel it doesn't belong in the quote unquote feminist movement. And that's kind of why I call the fourth wave, in my opinion, to be the femin feminazi bullshit. Um, one of the things that upsets me the most is the fourth wave is more about oppression than freedom. The first, second, and third wave of feminism, in my opinion, were fighting for the rights of women, which is exactly why it was needed, why it all started. This fourth wave is not about the freedom of women. It is about oppressing men. It is about... Um, I mean, if you take a look at TV shows, uh, mainly sitcoms, um, the patriarch or the father figure, the man is always a buffoon or, uh, okay, sorry guys, um, I need more coffee. Um, in today's society, men are portrayed as one or two things, an idiot or a bigot. Okay. To put it simply, I mean, it's always, uh, you know, if you look at shows like Home Improvement and mm. uh, King of Queens, uh, well, I guess that would even be friends. I mean, the women are all high class, uppity, for lack of a better word, um, women who are always. Uh, screechy and pushy and domineering. And the men are always like, oh, derp. And oops, I injured myself again, even though this is my job and I've been doing it for 25 years. Or, you know, uh, I mean, e even as far back as we were talking the other night, Dick Van Dyke. Dick I mean, Van the Dyke. whole entire show was based on, you know, the opening scene is him tripping over himself, falling over the ottoman. Mm -hmm. Yet his wife was very classy and, you know, so maybe I'm getting, you know, I'm misrepresenting what I'm trying to say because 
that was back in what the um, late 1950s, yeah, the late 50s, 50s early I mean, 60s. So maybe that's when the turn started. I don't know. Oh, well, I think you would have similar uh, a similar effect coming personally from like uh, I Love Lucy, which mm-hmm. we, we'll all agree is probably the greatest sitcom. I'll the greatest reckon. black and white sitcom ever produced because, you know, down the road. But uh, I Love Lucy, same thing. You know, Ricky was the bumbling. As a matter of fact, in Weird Al's song uh, about I Love Lucy, mm-hmm. he refers to him as the bumbling leader of the band at one point. I can see. I, I definitely agree with that description. Growing up, I Love Lucy was one of my favorite shows. I mean, it hurt when I found out the truth behind mm-hmm. the show um, because in reality... It was kind of the roles were reversed. Uh, Ricky Ricardo, you know, slash Debbie Arnaz. I can't believe I spaced on his name. I had a crush on him in early childhood. Yeah. Um, You know, he was an abuser. um, And he physically and mentally abused Lucy. And now there are conflicting stories on that. And we're not going to delve too much into that. But there were, you know, Mm -hmm. she was... You know, big on alcohol and kind of abusive to him, too. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to cover that up. Uh, they were both in the wrong for a lot of different reasons. And that backstory to the show, it it really woke me up. And it, it kind of, it was disheartening to find out. Uh, but, yeah. Um, so, like I said, so as we were saying. So, today, you look on TV. It, 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 sitcoms. Re- you know, regular TV. I mean... Anything. It's always the guy. He's either portrayed as this arrogant asshole, I guess the definition of toxic masculinity, or he's a bumbling idiot that doesn't know his ass from his elbow. And it's kind of disgusting. Um, it is. It's it's really disgusting to see. I mean, even everybody loves Raymond. The dad on that show, Frank, I the guy that played uh, Frankenstein's monster uh, in... Uh, Young Frankenstein. Frank- young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Uh, yeah. I'm- the monster's name is Adam, by the way, folks. Yes. Yes. People get that wrong all the time. And it's irritating. Um, but Frank, you know, he was a good dad. He, But he was always overpowered by, I can't believe I'm spacing on the mother's name. I, I can, Dolores. Dolores. Dolores, I think. I'm pretty sure. Oh, my God. We did not do. She just passed away, I think, last year. Uh, but, uh. That's sad. She was a good actress. I liked her. But anyway, I'm horrible. Sorry. Um, You know, he was always, you know, she was the loudmouth. She was always, you know, the annoying person. And it's funny because she reminded me a lot of my mama, who I talk about all the time. Um, May she rest in peace, Joni. Uh, But and I guess that's kind of where my childhood if I were to pick a show that most ref, uh, best reflected, if I chose a show that best reflected my childhood, it would have to be Everybody Loves Raymond. The women were always overbearing and annoying and kept the balls of their men in their purse, which is not okay. And the men were always bumbling fools and kind of forced to stay quiet. Uh... Or else they would have to deal with their loudmouth wives. I mean, so sorry we got off track here. I I love TV. Um, well, and that so <laughs> it, it's funny. You and I have talked about this a dozen times, if we've ever talked about it at all. 
who would have thought that the ultimately the greatest TV dad mm -hmm. of our generation would end up being Al Bundy? Yes, yes. You know, knowing what we know now about the actual actors that portrayed the dads. I mean, you got Reverend Camden that turned out to be not, not Reverend material. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's uh, another show. anyway. Um, yeah, and then you got the whole thing with Cosby. Um. Yeah, so the best dad turned out to be Al Bundy. Um, and honestly, if you look back on the show, and Terry came down the other night, and I was sitting here at like 2 o'clock in the morning watching A Married with Children. Fucking love that show. Um, he wasn't that bad of a guy. Yeah, I guess you could say he was sexist, but of course he is because he's a male on television. So, of course, he was sexist. But he worked hard for his family. He provided for his family. The wife didn't have to work. I mean, the kids, when they wanted something, he gave them the money, you know. And that, not only was he the greatest dad on television, but he's actually the greatest example to use. He was used for his money. He was used for his resources. Uh, the kids and the wife, Peggy, they all manipulated him. They all... Uh, Put him down constantly for the job that he was in. And he is a good, he's a really good example of what is wrong with society. And yet, <laughs> I would think at the same time he's a prime example because his character, even at that time, was attacked for being sexist, for being misogynist, mm -hmm. for being quote-unquote too old-fashioned. And even nowadays, I mean, if you look back at that, People who watch that show nowadays... Oh my God, they're shitting themselves. They can't it, handle it. They it, cannot exactly, handle it. It's... I mean, uh, maybe that... This, this fucking... I didn't even think of that. Marcy Darcy was the first feminazi. That's good. I like that. That's a valid point. Yeah. Um, her women's groups, all of her feminist uh, ideology, that makes a lot of sense. And you want to talk about balls in your purse... Jefferson, not even oh. Steve. Oh, Steve too. Steve stood up for himself for a little yeah, bit, though. Steve, Steve left her, for God's sake. Oh, good. Good for him. I mean, I know we're talking about fictional characters, but... But I think we're using Fox this show sake. as a great example of, like, the transition. From the feminism that was absolutely a thousand percent needed in the beginning. Yeah, think of that, folks. Married with children is a cultural touchstone. It's a turning point in society. Who the hell would have ever thought that? But here we are. We're making this discovery. Don't forget, you heard it here first. Yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> trying to keep us you know, back on track, trying to keep us back on track, trying to get us back on track here. We've gone through um, you know, the necessity of feminism in the early days. We both agree that it was necessary. Absolutely. At, at, at the time. And that's, that's the thing. Uh, you know, I'm sorry to cut in here. I get called a misogynist all the time, and it really pisses me off. Or as, uh, what's his face on Family Guy would say, it really grinds my gears. It really gears, grinds my okay? gears. I, I'm not a fucking misogynist. Standing up for men does not mean trampling on women's rights. Why people jump to that conclusion is because feminism started out for the sake of women gaining equality. And then it turned into the oppression of men. So, obviously, when... Women stand up for their men. These feminists, quote unquote, 
think that, oh, well, then you just don't believe in women's rights. No, false. I do believe in equality. You believe in equality. True equality. Where we're all equally assholes and we're all equal. End of discussion. We're humans first. All the other bullshit labels come later. I love that saying and I've been saying it forever. Don't know if I came out with it or stole it from somebody else. But that's where I'm at. So standing up for my dad, my fiance, my brother, my uncles, men that are friends. I mean, to me, that's not trampling on women's rights. And if you view it that way, then I think you need to take a look within and find out why you're thinking that I'm trying to put you down. Because I'm not. Um, I know saying words like feminazi is harsh uh, or comes off as harsh, but look at the reality around us. Look, look, every day, every day, men's rights are stripped from them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the fact that there's actually any voice out there. I, I've actually, and it's funny because since you and I have been discussing this over the past couple of years, I've come across a couple of other voices in the public realm that actually speak up for, um, uh, for, for men's equality, uh, Candace Owens, I'm sure you, you've heard me talk about her. Uh, she is a political commentator. Um, yeah. Uh, she has actually formed a movement called uh, Blexit. If you guys want to, you know, an interesting read, look up Candace Owens' Blexit. We'll talk about that after uh, we go off the air here. But there's... A few voices out there nowadays, and a lot of them keep kind of harkening back to the same thing, that if we just take a step back and not even necessarily go back to the original quote-unquote gender roles, and I hate that, that way of putting it, but if we just look back at the, the, the traditional concept of the independence and interdependence mm -hmm. of men and women in society. I mean, mm -hmm. it, you go all the way back to... Great example is World War II, probably the most famous example of female empowerment, not female power, female empowerment. We go back to the famous Rosie the Riveter. Mm -hmm. The men are overseas and women. Let's not forget there were women serving in the USO and in other capacities overseas during World War II. But the women stepped in to back up the factories and to, to do the jobs that the men could not do while they were overseas fighting this war. The women were not only helping the American economy, but they were helping to support the soldiers over there. That's interdependence. And that's what we're lacking. And that's what the voices out there are now talking about is let's step back to the interdependence and forget about this holier than thou bullshit where I have a vagina, I'm more important. I have a penis, I'm more important. Exactly. I mean, I was telling you the other day, I belong to a lot of Facebook groups. And one of the groups I belongs to, belongs to? Belong to, I absolutely love it. The atmosphere is great. But there are a couple, you know, there are a couple things that kind of irk me. That's why I'm not going to name the group, even though it's awesome, because I don't want them to feel that I'm putting them down. Um, but, and this happens a lot. Uh, in my everyday life too with interactions I have with people women are put on such a high pedestal they are referred to as queens and the men are their kings but they really don't hold the same title kings are supposed to pay for their queens and take care of their queens and 
do whatever basically the queen wants. And that's not an equal relationship. That's not a partnership. And I kind of, I try to put my voice out there on that because that's one of the leading problems in these, you know, I feel like that's why there's divorce. That's why relationships aren't lasting because these women see these relationships on TV where men are getting put down and put in their place constantly and the women just take it. Take a look at Doug on King of Queens. Carrie is constantly, you know, making fun of his weight and, you know, dictating, you know, how he, what level he should be at, at his job, and constantly putting him down, and he has to ask permission to hang out with his friends, and ask permission to do this, and wants to take this trip, and wants to take a romantic trip, and then she kind of tears it apart, and it's like, look, lady, the guy's trying, shut the fuck up, and you see this on TV, and now that kids are being raised by their television instead of a parent, because the economy doesn't allow a parent to be at home, this is what they're seeing. This is what's getting inside their brain. And this is the relationships that they're trying to emulate because that's what has been normalized. I mean, okay, I said this to you before. A lot of my past relationships, and I, you know, not really a lot, okay? I'm only 34 and I've only been in like five serious relationships in my lifetime. And they weren't really serious, serious because I was a teenager, but we're getting off topic. Let's get back here. I told you this before. You know, my relationship IQ was very low when you and I met. Um, and I didn't know how to be in a serious relationship. And here we are five years later. And, yeah, we'll have, ma uh, what would you say, a major argument maybe once a year? Yeah. Maybe twice. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But we always, it always ends up being we talk it out. And the great thing about you is um, you're not afraid to call me out on my bullshit. And that's what I need. And I'm not saying I need to be dominated and I need to be submissive. That's not what I'm saying. When I step over a line, and that happens quite often because many, many of the women in my family were ball busters, for lack of a better term. Um, and they grew up in the feminism era where it was turning over into the seeking of power instead of seeking empowerment, as you eloquently put it earlier. And many of the women I grew up around, grandmothers, aunts, mother, you know, I, I'm not trying to insult you, Mom. Uh, you know, a lot of the women, they, like I said, you know, they, they were trying to, you know, flex their muscles and put their men in their place because they thought it was acceptable because that's what they grew up around. So when you and I got together, you know, you explained to me a lot of your past relationships and that was eye opening for me because I realized, holy shit, I kind of acted the same way towards people and I was a hundred percent wrong. And so when I do something that steps over the line, my point is, you call me out on it. And you don't do it in a dick way. You don't put me down for it. You just say, hey, listen, I don't know if you noticed, but you said X, Y, and Z, and that's not okay. Or you did X, Y, and Z, and that's not okay because, and you explain it, and I sit there, and I'm like, oh, my God, you're absolutely right. And I think that's why we get along so well. And if you look at, you know, all these other relationships that are failing miserably, there's a lack of communication. Excuse me. 
And most definitely, maybe even more importantly, a lack of respect. Mm. I, I think respect is probably the key. Respect is the key ingredient to any interaction. Forget about relationships. Just mm -hmm. any basic interaction. Respect is the key. And I think that's, you know, part of what really irks me about this whole thing. And you, you, uh, part of your milieu is the study of, um, your religions, for lack of a better word, religions, religious paths, um, ideological paths, and whatnot. And um, uh, I believe, you know, you brought up to me the point that uh, the more naturalistic religions or ideologies um, center around the woman being the hearth of the home, being the caregiver, while the man is the hunter-gatherer, by necessity. I mean, this is a matter of DNA we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, men... We evolved to be the hunter-gatherer. Men evolved to be the protector, the warrior. And the woman, this is why men are possessed of not necessarily more logic, but certainly a more stolid viewpoint of the world. And women have a more emotional viewpoint because uh, the woman as the center of the home is more apt to uh, be able to care properly for the young and the old. That's one thing that gets missed in all this. Um... So especially like uh, many Native American tribes have uh, an aspect where the the female is not the dominator of the house, but she is the center of the house. She's looked to for the emotional strength. Same with a lot of Africanized religions. Same with a lot of um, uh, India is very big on the same exact thing. I mean, this is all stuff I've learned from your group, One Earth, Many Paths, on Facebook. And um, so, I mean, how do you think that... Um, that that translates into the modern era. Do, do we kind of need to take a look at where they're at and balance it out with modern society? Do you think that when we have uh, societies that are centered on the woman being the emotional center of everything, is that still valuable without going into full-blown, as we both have put it, feminazism? Can we look at women as being special and important without looking at them as either just sexual objects or dominating the conversation? Honestly, with my path, um, one of the reasons that it called to me, I think, is the feminine and masculine are equal. And that's, I think, we need more of that. When I, you know... When you look at the Christian religions and dogmas, uh, you have one God, a male God. That's it. But if you look at humans, if you look at individ individuals, there is a masculine side to us and a feminine side to us. And that's not a bad thing. And I think that if we embraced those sides of us and... You know, maybe if more people believed in a male god and a female god, or even one god that exhibited both the masculine and the feminine side, I think that's what we need to focus on. Uh, it all goes to back to independence. It goes back to individuality. And instead of trying to fit all women in one box and all men in another box, let's just fucking break the boxes down. And be together. That's how I look at it anyway. I mean, if we turned around and focused more... I mean, 
Uh, okay. Maybe I'm going off topic here. I don't know. But the gender reveal parties. the And the polar opposite of that. My kid will not have a gender until they choose their gender. Now, just shut the fuck up with that shit on both sides, okay? Just stop. You don't have to paint your fucking nursery pink because it's a girl. You don't have to paint your nursery blue because it's a boy. You don't have to paint your nursery yellow because you're not sure. These color schemes were assigned to genders. They weren't like, you know, when you're a kid, you're not like, well, I'm a girl, so I like pink, and that's all I like is pink. That's not, these are all assigned, and how? You said it, you said it yesterday, we were talking about, you know. Yeah, it's. The, the, the marketing tools. The, the pink and the blue thing. I it's just, really just, as she put it, it's marketing. It, it You know, blame Sherman Williams. Forget ask <laughs> Sherman Williams. Blame Sherman Williams. No, but if, and now we're going to get sued. Thanks, Terry. We're both broke ass, but go ahead. By the way, uh, our house here is done with Sherwin-Williams paint. Fine, high-quality, high-gloss <laughs> matte finish. Um, if you look back <coughs> historically, and let's face it, guys, what we're doing right now is a part of the media. The media has historically controlled the narrative in, mm -hmm. in more ways than you could possibly imagine. And advertising is one of the biggest... Um, undercurrents of controlling that narrative look back to personally I, I go back to like uh the 1930s you know the end of the great depression into the 1940s after you know world war ii ends look back at any christmas morning in that era and you're likely going to find under the tree for a boy you're going to find a set of six guns for the girl, you're going to find, you know, a, a doll or something, what we look at now, female-related. Because that's how the toy companies, that's how the manufacturers wanted to do it. They knew that it was easier to push a set of six guns on a young boy who had just watched a John Wayne movie. And a girl being told, dress up that dolly just like you want. Make her nice and pretty. That's where it starts. Same thing with the colors. The color schemes were basically pushed on people. Hey, you know, a blue represents a boy, a pink represents a girl. Blue is masculine, pink is feminine. It's all about advertising. It's all about monetization of an idea that didn't really exist until the media told us to. I mean, think about it. If you actually stopped and looked at everything in our world... That we hold true because William Randolph Hearst told us to. Old newspaper magnet for those of you <laughs> in Delco. Um, you would just be surprised. And nobody's saying a girl can't go out and buy, you know, a set of guns. A girl, a girl can't be a cowboy? The fuck she can't. You know, a, a boy can't become a ballet dancer? You ever heard of Mikhail Borisnikov? So... Basically, my point is, sorry, needed a uh, second there. Spittoon. Uh, spit take. Uh, basically, my point is, these gender roles were assigned over time, and that pre-World War II generation that grew up with, you know, the boy 
playing cowboys and Indians out in the backyard. Well, when he grew up and he had his children in the mid to late 1950s, that's the only way he knew to bring up a boy. Mm -hmm. So he brought up the boy that same way. And then the cycle continues. Same thing with the girl. The women were brought up, you know, pretty frilly dresses and dolls. and Which I hate it, by the way. I mean, I know I'm an 80s baby, baby but oh my fucking God. I, when I, look, when I was a kid, and I'll have, maybe I'll share a picture here and there. When I was a kid, I had a boy's haircut, and I had a frilly fucking Easter dress on for, like, every day of the year. It was horrible. Oh, I'm still traumatized over it. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no. Oh. That's, exactly, because that's how it was basically passed down from the generation to generation. And, um. That's probably why there's so, you know, maybe that's what happened. You know, feminism turned into this whole fucking thing where, you know, oh, 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 you know, the women became the fucking men because they were sick of the frilly, stupid ass fucking pastel fucking bullshit dresses. And I want to go play in the mud, damn it. Well, the, the, the only, the only thing I would have to say there is, um, I'm sure, you know, some of you guys listening know, uh. A little bit about my family background, and uh, I had two southern grandmothers. You know, and I mean, like, very southern. I mean, like, don't piss them off. And when I look at the definition of female strength, I look back at people like my grandmothers. You know, who did everything on their own, who took care of the house on their own, you know, uh, and raised children sometimes, you know, all on their own. That, to me, is like the definition of female strength. And... You know, I I can't honestly tell you for certain, but uh, my sister Beth is probably going to end up listening to this. And I can guarantee you, from personal experience, my sister spent more than her time a share, a share of time playing in the mud. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, you know, and, and she's definitely a woman. But that doesn't mean that you can't go out and play in the mud. That doesn't mean you can't rough. Doesn't mean you can't roughhouse with the other boys. I don't know if anybody out there is a big wrestling fan, guys. The number one viewed wrestler in the world right now is a female. Becky Lynch is considered the top performer in the top league WWE in all of professional wrestling. I knew you were going to sneak wrestling in somehow. <laughs> Well, I think it emphasizes the point. No, I know, point. I know. I'm just being an asshole. By the way, the number two rated wrestler currently for some reason right now is her fiancé, Seth Rollins. Right. So, how odd is that? That's cute. <clears throat> so, I'm... I, I hope I kind of uh, covered what you were looking for there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, you know, you, uh, by the way, I have to bring this up. I mentioned uh, wrestling just here right now. And uh, that kind of... Yeah, I know. Shock. Um... <laughs> this personally bothers me, and I just want the, the female equality pers perspective on this one. If I see one more meme. Oh, I think I know where this is going. Of Jason Momoa. Oh, my God. Or Roman Reigns. Hold up. Hold up. Okay, because I have to interject here. <laughs> if sexualization of women is wrong, how is sexualization of men okay? Ah, uh, I'm sick of it. I really am, and I completely agree with you. My whole fucking Facebook feed is full of women salivating over these celebrities to the point where, I mean, why not just fucking 
post a naked picture of the guy already. I mean, it's ridiculous. And it's and women are guilty of it. And they and the funny thing is, nine out of ten times when they post this, they're like, Well, you know, if men can do it to the women, we can do it to the men. But men can't do it to the women. When you have women making ridiculous statements like, He raped me with my with his eyes, then you're taking away oh, from men being able to do that. So either you believe it's okay to sexualize individuals or you believe it's wrong. It's You can't have it both ways. And if you think that men sexualizing women is wrong, you can't then turn around and say, well, I'm going to sexualize you anyway. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, you know my dad, love my dad. He's a fireman. Mm-hmm. Okay? We've been to the firehouse. We've had dinner with the firemen. You know. Thank you, by the way, to our first responders. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we've met with cops. You know, we've had cops in the family. And, you know, these firemen slash police calendars are bullshit. Bullshit. Stop sexualizing men. Stop sexualizing women. Both of... Both of these scenarios are completely fucking wrong. And honestly, the firemen and the, the police and the EMTs, their jobs as first responders are hard and scary. And they're, they go through so much fucking trauma. And to trivialize that by making sexualized calendars of them, you shouldn't need a half-naked calendar of a fireman, policeman, EMT, whatever, what have you. In order to entice you to donate to these companies, to donate to these, to to these first responders. Yeah, I mean, they need our support. They need our financial support. They need our emotional support and our social support. And our social support. It should not come down to a six pack of abs, obviously, and you know. Daisy, male, the male version of Daisy Dukes, whatever the fuck that is, okay? It shouldn't come down to that, and these men should not be trivialized, and it just, it sickens me. I love my dad, um, I love and support him as, and he's a volunteer, okay? Just saying. Um, and the men that he works with, like I said, the men and women that he works with, they don't look like these fucking supermodels that they put on. You know, these calendars. And I just think it's ridiculous that that's how they have to gain attention and support from their communities. It's not okay. Oh, look at the sexy fireman with the kitten. What fucking GQ model, whatever, did you pull that guy from? Because he does not run a line. He does not hose down the you know mm-hmm. building. He doesn't he, drive a squirt. He doesn't drive the squirt. I mean, come on. And that pisses me off. Uh, uh, sorry, I just had to go there. I know we were talking about Jason Momoa, and honestly, no, I didn't know the guy's name until all these women were fucking salivating over them. And you know, I said something last night. We were talking about this in preparation of today, and I said, "Oh my god, I can't say this because it's fucked up and it's wrong." But I'm gonna say it, okay? Women walk around in bikinis, and this, that, and the other thing, we sexualize ourselves. We put on the low-cut top and the mini skirt because we want to get out of a traffic ticket, because we want to get a discount at the store, because we want 
the mechanic to give us a discount. I mean, we sexualize ourselves and then we cry fail when men sexualize us. And it's fucking bullshit. And that, uh, it's the truth. I mean, come on, how many times have you heard a story where, or even seen on TV, sitcoms and whatnot, woman shaking her titties at the officer and he gives her a warning. Oh, that's okay. You were going 95 in a 55 mile per hour zone. That's a nice top there. I'm going to let you slide. Then you're going to bitch that men salivate over us. And then you're going to turn around and salivate over the men. That's... Well, it's... Um, <laughs> I know I went on a rant know. there, but it, it really irks me. I don't like double standards. You, you I, know I, I understand <laughs> entirely. And you know what I just realized is very odd? Uh, the three guys I mentioned earlier, uh, the, the Rock, Roman Reigns, and Jason Moa, mm -hmm. they're all Samoan. Hmm. That's kind of weird. Yeah. I guess there's a new type. I guess. Yeah, I'm not a new type as in part, but like that women are, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, oh, don't get me wrong. The Samoans, they are some badass people. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to watch, you know, Samoan war dances, it's some of the most uh, amazing performance you're ever going to see. But, you know, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe, you know, maybe the warrior archetype is coming back into vogue. And that's because... And that actually comes all the way full circle back to what we were originally talking about, hunter-gatherer. Mm -hmm. So, women, you actually are sexually attracted to hunter-gatherer types. Yeah, to, those, to the warrior saying. archetype, mm -hmm. yeah. See that? Look at that. Yeah. Unagi. <laughs> and by the way, you mentioned uh, you know the uh, women sexualizing themselves. Uh, I did a little research, and I, I had to double-check this number a couple of times. Uh, the adult entertainment industry... Formerly known as, you know, the porn industry. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this. 78% of the adult entertainment industry is owned by female performers. Well, I mean, prostitution and whatnot is the earliest form of... Which, you know, uh, yeah. controversial take here, folks. Prostitution 100% should be legalized. Oh, oh, I totally agree. I 100%. I've said it before. Okay, now I'm going way off topic here because it ties into that, sort of, kind of. But when you're talking about individuality and everything, um, I just want to say, I, Carol A. Graziano, I am in full support of the individual right. And what I mean to say is prostitution should be legal. Drug use should be legal. Alcohol should, well, is legal, but, but you know what I mean, okay? These things... The government should not have a say in what goes in or out of the individual body. Did you hear that? Yes, I think that we have a the shit cat out. doing some evil things upstairs. Oh, God. Oh, no. I hope it's not the fish. I'll check in a second. But the government should... If you are a consenting adult, I'm not saying if you're 16, 17 years old, you should be out there with heroin. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you are a consenting adult and you want to smoke pot, you want to do a line of coke, that is your body. You should be able to put into it what you want. And yeah, I'm going to hit, I'm going to touch base on this a little bit in this episode right now. Yes, if you're a consenting adult and don't want to have a child and find yourself pregnant, you should have the legal right to have an abortion. If 
and that also ties into men's rights, which we were going to we're going to be talking about on my podcast mm-hmm. in a little bit. Um, but the point being, the government, religion, other people should not have a say in a person's individual choice in life. You want to put something in your body, you're consenting adult, fucking go for it. The it's just another way for our government to tax us. You know, I mean, oh, in Pennsylvania right now, I have a friend. Um, I don't know if she'd be okay with me mentioning her name, but she is a, a supporter of the safe injection sites um, to prevent overdoses. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Uh, and I absolutely love that idea. It's so that way, yes, you have an addiction. Yes, addiction is a disease. I know that you might disagree with me on that. But these adults, these children, what have you, okay? It, like I said, if you're over 18, you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want with your body. If you want to fucking go give a blowy for 50 bucks because you need to get some groceries, you should be allowed to give a blowy for 50 bucks. And that, male, female, whatever, it doesn't matter. The government has overstepped its bounds for a long-ass time. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. And it's it's getting to the point where enough is enough. It Actually, it's surpassed that point. We get fucking taxed. We have to get uh, fishing licenses and fucking, uh, you need a special (laughs) license for rainwater. And if you want to grow this, it's going to get to the point where you want to grow tomatoes in your fucking garden. You're going to have to pay a fucking fine unless you don't, unless you have a permit. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, the government has overstepped and I know I'm getting off topic with that, but I completely support individual rights. I support prostitution. I support drug use. I support freedom of choice. You support the the choice of drug use, not supporting drug use itself. Okay. Y- yes. Okay. Look, if it was legal, I'd be fucking smoking a joint right now. But it's not. It's decriminalized, but it's not legal, and I'm not getting trapped up in that fucking federal says one thing and state says another so just so you know job if you're listening you can p-test me and i'm clean i'm just saying but if it ever becomes legal 100 percent and they stop doing the drug test mama's getting some weed i'm just saying now i'm gonna go check on the fish real quick while you finish up here and then we're gonna take a break probably a 20 30 minute break and get prepared for the second half Mm -hmm. on your podcast, yes. The Ramblings of Bionic Carol. I, it's sad that I can't remember my own podcast name, and I have to point to him. A proud 1975 called? Productions podcast. Yes, yes it is, and available on Spotify, whereas this beautiful podcast is available on a thousand fucking... <laughs> podcast! Sorry. Whatever! Ah! Where are the cats? And that is going to wrap up the major malfunction portion of this dual podcast. Thank everybody... Uh, once again, for joining us here, uh, very nice to have a fresh perspective, courtesy of Miss Carol Graziano. This podcast is going to be uploaded, and we are going to bring you the second half of the show on the Ramblings of Bionic Carol, also available on Anchor.fm and Spotify, a little bit later on this morning. So thank you once again for joining us, for listening to my opinion on things. Soon you're about to hear a little more of my opinion and a little more of Carol's opinion, because after all, everybody is entitled to my opinion.